It's After the Snow, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Dave Mays, founder of The Source Magazine, co-founder of this new platform, Breakbeat Media. And I got my co-host, the one and only Freeway Ricky Ross. What up, Dave? What's up, Rick? Man, ready, ready. Let's get going. How's it going? How you feeling? Oh man, you know I've been under weather a little bit, but I feel I feel I feel better. You know that Omaha trip was took it out me, man. Them dudes was doing like three clubs a night. I was yeah, like, man. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I didn't it's, sign up for this. Go, it, they got it going on in Omaha like that, huh? Man, it's small, but you know they 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 party, man. And you know they got a little bread down there too. <laughs> you know that's what uh, Warren Buffett is from there. All right. That's a, that's a good claim to fame. Yeah. So you ready to get started with this show? So, yeah, th- you know, after the snow, we um, we did season five, which ended a couple weeks ago. We had a, a special edition last week with our first guest cast member. So we we definitely want to say uh, thank you. Big shout out to Christine Horn, who plays Black Diamond in, in uh, Snowfall. Um, she, she was great to have and, you know, really, really uh appreciate and a great, great person yeah very talented got a lot of things going on yeah a lot of stars you know they be having they they nose up in the air and you you try to get them to do something man and, and you know I, I almost gave up on stars man like i don't even want to do nothing with most of them because they too hard to get to and then i don't know they just they just they just it's a rough business when you when you're dealing with the stars today. right but i know right. you know you you don't deal with more stars than i have so <laughs> Yeah, been a long, long time. Dealt with a lot of them. But yeah, Christine was great. So we want to thank her. Yeah, very humble. That was an excellent show. So we're going to have some more guests from Snowfall coming, including her partner in crime, uh, Dallas, coming up soon. And we're working on a few others. But um, what we're doing now is we are going back to season one, where this all started a little over five years ago, um, or just about five years ago. Summer of 2017 is when Snowfall premiered for the first time. So Rick and I watched the first episode of season one. It's called Pilot. We're going to get into talking about that episode and things around it and how you felt about it, Rick. No doubt. No doubt. I'm ready. I'm ready. I remember, you know, watching the episode when it came out because I had been reading about Snowfall coming and I was anxious to see it. So I watched it right away and I I really liked this first episode. Of course, this was when uh, John Singleton was still alive and was, you know, involved hands on in, in, uh, in the show. You know, there's a lot of interesting things that we can get into that that happened. It was more L.A., yeah, what are the things that you saw that made it feel more LA to you? Well, you know, it it it, it was just it was simple. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 there there was not a whole lot of extra activity going on. You know, you know some of the stuff that 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 that, that you know that we can we can see in LA is uh, a girl coming up to the door, knocking on the door, looking for you know somebody that she just has sex with, who she's probably claiming as her man now. And then his woman is in the house and, and she don't like it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, fuck, <laughs> you knocking on my on my man door. You know what I'm saying? So, so, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, the, the ice cream truck coming down the street with all the kids following the ice cream truck. 
uh, you know, one of the kids trying to steal something off the ice cream truck. You know, that was L.A. You know what I'm saying? That, that was a real L.A. feel, you know, with the palm trees and with Franklin and, and Leon and, and, and all of them walking down the middle of the street. And they were just having fun, you know, just 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 enjoying life for what it was. You know, uh, that gave me more of a feel uh, uh, for L.A. Than, 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 than I've been getting from some of what we see seen seen later. Yeah. Did that neighborhood uh, remind you of, of the neighborhood you grew up in? It didn't. It, it that that was uh, more of uh, um, the West Side. You know, John, John likes shooting on the West Side. <laughs> he, didn't, he don't want to come to the East Side. You know, South Central is 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 a little more East than than than, than that is. Uh, maybe a little worse, worse area, you know, at one time. Even though L.A., the whole L.A. now is, is a lot mm-hmm. uh, safer than it what it used to be. But that was more West Side, closer to Baldwin Hills. And I, I didn't I didn't see that. I just know by the, looking at the houses and the palm trees, you know, that's closer to Baldwin Hills. Kind of like where they shot Boys in the Hood. Right. Yeah, it does. It did look like Boys in the Hood, um, the street and everything. Same same area. Same. He, he used the same area. I guess I guess he gets a deal over there. <laughs> they have a date they show on the screen at the beginning. Uh, it says June 14th, 1983. So I'm wondering, like, is there any significance that you know of to that date? Or you think they just threw that in there just to try to make it seem like specific? And, and what do you remember about June of 1983? Anything in particular? No, nothing in particular. Um, but I don't know what significance it, it would have had, you know, for them using that date. When did you first start um, kind of getting into the Coke game? Was that in 83 or was that earlier or later? No, no, no. I got I got involved around 79, 80. Okay. The end of, end of 79, beginning of 80 is when I first, you know, started start dipping. But my 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 intro into into the drug business was a lot different than, than what they showed on the screen. You know, you, you don't walk up to no, to no drug dealer and the first time you meet him, you ask him for a kilo, you know. And, and, and get it <laughs> and then you know you get one day to sell it and you never sold cocaine before that's that's a pretty big feat i would say you know they started me off with a 50 dollar rock so and and for me that was a feat trying to trying to sell that so i could imagine how it would have felt if they would stuck me with a kilo and and then the other thing that really was was a, a shocker for me was the price that he got the kilo for he got the kilo for sixteen thousand. During that time, kilos were probably like forty-five, fifty thousand dollars a kilo. Oh wow! So they they messed up on that part as well. Yeah, he I, I think he only had to pay Ivy twelve, and he you know he got sixteen from uh, you know that that the lady at the club, Louis' old friend. But I think he only had to give Ivy twelve. So yeah, he was he was getting it super super cheap uh, back then. Yeah, see, they jumped the gun to where, you know, when we started getting it at those prices, you know, we were buying hundreds at a time, you know, with cash money. Right. Um, you know, you just don't start off on your first kilo on credit for no $12,000, $12, unheard of. Right. But that's the story. And that's what uh, that's what got everything going. <laughs> so one, one of the things, you know, we see uh, when Franklin gets introduced to Avi, his, his buddy, uh, Rob, Brings him over to Avi's house, and there's a lot going on there. Uh, and Franklin kind of proves 
his uh, his courage at least to Avi. But when he makes his pitch to Avi to to front him the the kilo, he says, you know, I think that this will sell in my neighborhood. And Avi's like, you know, people don't have the money, and they're not even buying coke and wherever you're from. And I know we talked about that uh, uh, on some other episodes, but um, you know what, what? Yeah, they stole that from me because I had a. Uh... You know, when I first started selling, everybody told me that, you know, you couldn't sell cocaine in that area. So they definitely stole that line from me. That's my line. <laughs> I don't mind, though. They can have it. <laughs> that was another thing. I couldn't believe that, that they was going to have him to stand there with a bulletproof vest on and let somebody shoot him. But and that's, a, you know, that's another thing when you don't really earn, you don't really earn your way, you know. Uh, uh, you don't work your way up. You're looking for somebody to give you something. So you, you know, you got to pretty much take whatever they dish out, you know, and how they dish it out. That's why I always been wanting to earn my shit. I don't want nobody giving me nothing. You know, I I work my way up from the $50, from the $50 rock to where I got to. But I was shocked when I saw him standing there, you know, and willing to allow somebody to, uh, to shoot him. I'm like, nah. And even what I mean, yeah, well, he, he didn't actually. In the end, he didn't shoot. No, nah, with just the thought of it, you know, I wouldn't even, you know, yeah. I mean, Dave, would you? What you think? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Nobody told you, man. You oh wanna no, get, you want to get a raise up in the world, man? Put this bulletproof vest on. Let me shoot you. I mean, what what kind <laughs> of thinking is that? I mean, who would even think of some dumb shit like that? You know, right. even, even on Abby's part, you know, I, I think that, that that was a dumb scene. It really had no significance to what was going on. You know, it was just another way of, of trying to dramatize, you know, a, a scene. Well, what, one of the things, you know, we learned in this first episode is that, you know, Franklin went to a white school in the suburbs. And of course, that's how he got friends with white boy Rob um, that brings him to Avi's house. You know, I think there's some connection with your life as well, because I know you were playing tennis and that brought you into a lot of places that you wouldn't normally have been. But did did you go to school in, in any of the suburbs or anything like that? No, I, I went to Dorsey. Was it, it was it was it wasn't a South Central school, but it was still a black school. Now, what what I heard happen is that John also took some of Bo Bennett's uh, a story and added into Snowfall as well. You know, he he kind of mixed our stories up. What what the word on the street is that he mixed the stories up. You know, Bo was a pretty big guy too. I see. And did did Bo go to a a white high school? He did. Yeah, he went to a white high school. He got bust out of L.A. Got it. One of the things uh, we see also in the very beginning I wanted to ask you about is uh, they go to this underground wrestling match that's taking place. I was curious if anything like that was was going on in, in L.A. back in, in the 80s. Nah, not that I knew of. You know, we, we used to have the, the wrestling here. Mm, probably like the 60s. We had the wrestling, you know, at the Olympic Auditorium and, and people would go there, you know. Uh, but no, wrestling had been gone for a while from here. And and never did I hear about any underground uh, wrestling matches. No. Nah. You, you, you've never, have you ever been a fan of wrestling? Uh, when I was a kid, you know, I went to a few. I used to, I used to go to some of the wrestling matches, you know. Uh, but, you know, that was because my, my mom and my auntie and them, you know, they were fans of roller derby and wrestling and that kind of stuff. So as a kid, 
you know, if they tell you to come, you just go, you know. And um, but as I got older, you know, I, I became yeah. a fan of, of having money. You know, I, I started liking money at a young age. <laughs> so uh, that's really if it didn't make any money for me, I, I really didn't want to pay much attention. So. So, yeah, there's a scene um, where we see Franklin working in the corner store, chose corner store. I want to talk about about that too, the Asian owned corner store. But but one of the things uh, we see, Melody shows up, gets a bottle of wine. Franklin's saying, you know, he don't drink, and you know, he says one of the things that that motivates him is is making money. Um, and I thought that was something, you know, that that you guys definitely had in common. Uh, no question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when when you're in that line of work, though, you really can't be you know, drinking and getting high and all that stuff because uh, people are looking for you to be slipping, you know, so they can take advantage of you. You know, uh, one of the things I always thought about, you know, to to be drunk, you know, and, and uh, you wake up and you're in somebody's trunk. So uh, you got to try to keep your, your head on, on, on tight and, and really keep it swiveling, you know, when you're looking from side to side and behind your back because, uh, it's a cutthroat business that you're in. You don't ever know who who is out to get you. You know, your your best friend today, you know, can be your snitch tomorrow, your robber, the, the, the setup guy. You know, there's just so many pitfalls that, that go along with um, with that industry that, um, you know, I take my hat off to anybody that can do it. You know, it's it's, it's not easy, you know. Um, it's a lot easier ways to get money. <laughs> but, you know, when you're young and dumb, you don't know no better. You know, you, you can't do better. So, but right. Um, right. So, yeah. so, yeah, you know, the the Asian corner store is another thing that, you know, John Singleton and the Snowfall writers and producers, you know, they 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 put a lot of little nuggets in there that, um, you know, acknowledge certain issues that that you know we've all kind of heard about over the years through hip-hop and and you know in other other ways but um you know of course there's there's a, there's a long history of uh you know problems between black folks and the asian owned stores in the community and the racism and you know uh latasha harlan the girl got got shot in her back Absolutely. By, the, by the asian you know woman store owners so you know that and the lady only got probation right got probation right. and then you know one of one of the things that had really hit the news right during that time was another guy had killed a dog i think and they gave him two years for uh for killing for animal animal cruelty and and uh they give this chinese lady uh probation you know for killing a 14 year old black girl and she was from my neighborhood too, so yeah, it was kind of close to home, you know. Um, the fella said I knew her, but I I didn't remember. Her. I was in jail during that time that that, that that took place. How do you think, if if at all, that's changed? Like, you know, is that still a dynamic in the hood out there in LA? A lot of Asian-owned stores in the hood, or. Yeah, you know, pretty much, man, blacks don't really own anything out here, you know, in, in the hood. You know, we, we just, uh, they just survive in there, you know, and, and, and it's, 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 it's really gentrifying anyway, you know, um, 
you know, right now to stay in South Central will cost you like $3,000 a month. So uh, hmm. not many people can afford that. Right. Right. You got know, to you got to be making it in order to to be able to pay three thousand dollars a month. So. Uh, but, yeah, still, you know, still the majority of the stores are owned by by others, you know, uh, uh, non-black. Yeah. So so we meet we meet Leon in this episode um, and he shows up at that corner store when they're closing down Um and uh, he makes mention of, yeah, how the owner of the store, I think he said, pulled a shotgun on him on him for stealing some candy or something or whatever. So that was another another reference. And, you know, Leon is he's fresh out of uh, the jail or the juvie, as he says. And he's still very still very raw. You know, he's walking around with the boom box, blasting it you know, on the, on the, on the bus in front of people. And, you know, Leon's definitely, you know, being rude, being rude, <laughs> a little ignorant. Yeah. Uh, wild. Well, um, you know, in, 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 in my story, Ali had been in jail when, uh, when he got out is when, when we really, uh, uh cranked up. So he hadn't mm-hmm. been in juvie, but he had been in the County jail for a burglary. So, I so, see. uh, Definitely, that's a, that's a resemblance. And Ali, Ali was basically your right hand guy at that time. Correct, correct. A few other things I noticed, you know, in in the episode, I wanted to bring up and, and talk about. Um, you know, we meet Franklin's uh, next door neighbor. Um, well, of course, the the daughter Melanie. Um, and uh, looks like they're, you know, have a little crush on each other. But um, her dad, Andre, is a, is a police officer, a sergeant uh, in the LAPD. Yep. Um, and I was curious about, you know, how many black police officers you remember back in those days. Were there a lot of black police officers in in your community and living in your community? Not living in the community, but... Um that there, there was one in particular, you know, I know um, he used to come up to the gas station at 76 gas station and he would be sitting there and a uh, uh, pretty cool cat. You know, he didn't really bother nobody. Actually, we called him Action Jackson. I don't know why okay. they called him that, but that was just a name that, that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he would be just sitting at the gas station, chopping it up with Greg. Greg ran the gas station uh Greg was an old low rider, somebody, somebody who I looked up to a lot. You know, I had a lot of respect for Greg. Well, really, everybody did in the neighborhood, and and, and Jackson as well. Uh, had a lot of respect for him. So, uh, but no, I didn't know any cops standing in our neighborhood at that time. I don't, I don't think they could have got away with standing in the neighborhood back then. You know, they <laughs> back then was a different time. <laughs> yeah. But what, were they mostly white officers that were kind of like patrolling their, your community? And absolutely, time? absolutely, yeah. yeah. And still today, yeah. Not many black officers on the force. Interesting. I, I bet the numbers is really low. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wanted to run down a few of the other characters <clears throat> that we meet. You know, in this in this first episode. Um, uh. We talked a little bit about Auntie Louie and we see her 
you know, her wild self. She beats the girl up uh, that comes over there banging on the door for Jerome. Um, she's apparently she's on drugs. Uh, Jerome makes a reference that she's smoking Sherm. Um, and uh, she's carrying a gun. You know, she she's uh, pretty, pretty raw and wild herself uh, in, in this first episode. Yeah, that was that was uh I mean, you know, you, you got girls like that in South Central, you know, that 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 they ride. You yeah. know. And and smoking Sherman was definitely a, a big thing back during that time. Uh you know, Sherman was a drug of choice before the cocaine really uh really pushed it out. Um I never wanted to sell Sherman, you know, because I, I saw the effects that it was having on people. You know, yeah. uh, it was making them lose their mind. And, and I, I thought that it was uh, a negative look. So uh, I, I stayed away from it uh, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but when I first started selling uh, cocaine, it was a drug of choice. And it Sherm is uh, PCP? PCP and Sherm is the same thing. Uh, yeah. I think Sherman is when they put it on these leaves. Uh, uh to make it and uh but it, it, they they call it sherm too when it's uh uh, uh when it's when they dip it. it used to be a cigarette mm-hmm. there used to be a sherman cigarette hmm. and they would take the sherman cigarette and dip it into the into the uh, formaldehyde i think that's what they call it mm-hmm. um, but yeah so we also we also meet teddy you know, so the whole story is being set up here. Um, there's another CIA officer that's uh, partying, you know, at a big uh, house in the hills with his Nicaraguan connect. And apparently, you know, they've started this whole arrangement where the CIA is assisting uh, the Nicaraguans bringing cocaine into the U.S. and using those proceeds to finance the the Contras, uh, the war uh, uh, in in Nicaragua. And, um, of course, the CIA guy overdoses uh, while he's, you know, partying hard on coke. And um, so uh, they, uh, the Nicaraguan... They They don't take him to the hospital. Exactly. Yeah, Alejandro is... uh, his name and he he don't he don't want to take him to the hospital because he doesn't you know want it's to easier risk. to kill everybody in the house yeah but uh, <laughs> I mean when, when he, when, when he you opened noticed up what he that, did he, he killed all the girls oh oh he did I, I didn't know that wasn't sure yeah. about that yeah yeah um, I mean you know from from when you when you um, look at Teddy's investigation remember Teddy was was saying, saying that. Uh, that um, he found an earring at the end, earring, blood in other places. Yeah. You know, it wasn't wasn't just one one particular place where he found the blood at. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, they, um, you know, Alejandro shows up at Teddy's place of business and tells him that, you know, Logan had let him know he was the guy to go to if there was any problems. And um so Teddy looks, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty uh, scruffy and uh, he's, I guess he's on the outs uh, with the CIA and he, he sees this as an opportunity to get back in. And, you know, Alejandro says, Logan told me uh, you're a patriot. 
So, you know, you, you would, you would support this thing that we're doing. And, and at first Teddy's, you know, surprised and skeptical, but he comes around and, oh, you know, he's basically selling his boss on this plan. Like we got to keep selling these drugs and helping win this war in Nicaragua. And, you know, I'm the man to, to do the job. Yeah. So. No doubt. You know, that scene reminds me of, uh, of the Pulp Fiction, you know, you know, in the Pulp Fiction where they call the cleanup guy and he, he comes <laughs> by the house and he cleans up all the mess. Because, you know, Teddy is wiping blood off windows. Right. And, I mean, he's looking for blood right. everywhere that, that it could possibly be, you know, I guess. So if there is ever an investigation, you know, it, it'll pass the uh, it'll pass the test. Exactly. You know, he's bleaching everything. Um and and that gave me the the feel of a of a pulp fiction uh, uh, type of scene, you know, where where they got this guy and he's cleaning the mess up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, if you remember that scene. No, I do. Yeah, absolutely. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely reminds me of that. Um, so uh, so we also meet Franklin's mom, you know, sissy, and uh, we see, you know, she's working some kind of a job where, you know, Franklin doesn't like the way she's she's being treated. And I guess her boss is, you know, not only rude, but possibly abusive because her her sweater is, is, is ripped up um, and she got to change up her whole tone when she answers the phone. And, you know, yes, yes, sir. Uh, whatever you say type of, of thing going on. But um, and we see Franklin, you know, as kind of a mama's boy. Um you know, they, they seem to have a pretty close relationship. Um, and uh, but it's interesting to see when Franklin uh, dips off, uh, Sissy goes in the room and pulls a gun out of her purse and some cash. So she's not as as clean cut as, uh, you know, <laughs> as you, maybe would, maybe you would think. Um, yeah. So that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, she she pulled a gun and, and a big wad of cash and stuck it in, in her drawer, hid it away in her drawer. Um, you know, they also make mention of of Leon. I mean, of Franklin's dad, um, and they actually see Franklin's dad, who's homeless, when him and Louis are are driving home from uh, selling the key to uh, uh, to the lady at the club. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he asked if he want to want to talk to him, right? And he Franklin says, rejects uh, the, the 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 offer. Yeah, but you see him crying. You know, he's shedding a few tears as they drive off. So we 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 understand that you know that whole lack of having a father or whatever happened with his father is something that you know has has deeply affected him, and uh, I think. You know, we'll we, we'll see more of that as as the story goes on. But that's also something that, you know, is often talked about as one of the problems in the community is, you know, not having male role models in the in, in the home. Yeah. Yeah. And not even knowing your father, you know, uh, you know, I grew up without even knowing my father. So they uh, have have him. At least he, he knew who his father was. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so one thing that also really I remember when watching this episode the first time really 
stood out to me was the music. And we, we've talked about that before and some of the other shows, but um, they really did an amazing job with lots of great music um, throughout the episode. Yeah. There was some, some really classic uh, materials from nucleus jam on it to some Donnie Hathaway to cutie pie. Uh, I think that's one way and uh, a bunch of really great, great, great uh, songs that really, you know, make the show feel um, just feel good. Richer. Uh, it, yeah. it makes it feel more in, in during that time. You know, music puts you back into that into that state of, yeah. of, of being. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they did a good job with that with the music this time, you know, in, in this particular episode. The music. Yeah. So what, 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 you, what are some of your favorite songs? An artist from the '80s that you were listening to back then. Oh my goodness, uh, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson. You know everybody. Motown. You know uh-huh. the Motown era was 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 definitely cracking. Um, who else, man? You know Run DMC. You okay. know when they came out uh, was killing it. You know Lil LL Cool J. Uh, yeah, who else, man? Lakeside, you know, Gap Band, Rick James. I mean, you know, the list go on and on, man. Right. It was, you know, the seventies and the eighties was a rich, a rich time for uh, for music. Uh, yeah, you know, Michael Jackson, like everybody, you know. Yeah, uh, Prince, you know, it was, it's just a rich time for music, you know. Um, the Delphonics, you know. Yeah. Uh, who else, man? It's just so many of them, man. It was right. just, it was just so rich with, with music. Um, you know, I could probably sit here and, and and give it a little thought, man, and go on and yeah. on and on. You know, well, where, where did you, where did you listen to music? Did you did you ride around listening to it a lot in your car? No, or? I did not. Uh, uh, my mom, you know, my mom, you know, would play music. My brother was was a, was a music fanatic. You know, he bought every record that came out. You know, when it came out, he he got it. Uh, you know, when I started, when I started uh, uh, um, having money, you know, yeah, I would listen to music. You know, just listen to the radio um, as I rode around in the car, pretty much. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I've never been like a, a big music fan where I go out and buy the CDs. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know if I've ever bought a CD or a, or a cassette player or or any of that. I don't wow. know if I've if I've ever bought one. Wow. Uh, I, I, I was a, I was a music fan from a pretty young age, and you you know you're a, a little older than me, but um, uh, yeah, I can remember you know saving up my money in the late seventies, probably early eighties, you know, to go to the record store to buy forty fives. That was the first thing I was buying. I would yeah, you know these songs I would fall in love with and I would go get the 45s, um, you know, at the, no, at the I have bought store. records. Okay. I have bought records okay. <laughs> when I was younger, you know, we, we was trying to, we was trying to do the DJ and thing, you know, we was, we had our yeah. little turntables and, and we was okay. on our little garage parties and okay. so, so we'd have two records, you know, Parliament Funkadelics, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> so, so what, who was we, and what were you doing? Were you, um, were you DJing, or just, you know, hiding I, I, I was more, or what? <laughs> I was more like the organizer, you know. Uh, okay. Um, 
I've always been kind of like the leader of my crew, you know, okay. where, where they all kind of do what I, what I say do, you know, what I think is the best thing for us to do. They kind of, kind of always follow suit, you know, uh, never had to be, you know, the actual one doing whatever. It wasn't the one DJing, you know, I, I may not be the one driving the car, but, uh, uh, but you know, I had my input inside of whatever decisions was being made at that time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll keep talking about music cause I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, it continues in the uh, rest of the episodes. We're going to see, I remember that really from season one. And we already um, know you got a fetish for the music. Absolutely. Music. <laughs> music is, That's how yeah. you started the source. Yeah playing music on the radio and you know we could talk about that for a while i won't I, we won't we won't uh, bore everybody we're running out of time here for this week's episode of after the snow but um you know this was a, a classic obviously the very first episode of snowfall um again came out in uh summer of 2017 and um you know, the show has, has continued on five seasons in uh, six one coming and we're going to be sticking with you guys, uh, continuing to go back through season one and we'll get into season two, three and four. Uh, and hopefully that'll take us right up to when uh, season six will come out. And um, so, yeah, I want to thank everybody who's uh, been tuning in to After the Snow. Um you know, stick with us. We're going to keep bringing you guys, you know, interesting shows and more guests and try to delve into a lot more more topics. Um, so, uh, yeah, after the snow, Breakbeat Media. You already know. Ricky Ross and Dave, what's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That dynamic duo. We'll see y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.